So, welcome to a guest episode of Distant Pod. First one we've done in a little while. Mm. But we, like we said when we started doing guest episodes, we wanted to have people we liked mm. and people we think are great because we're not just going to do the whole, I got a new film out thing. And also, Americans don't want to come on. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, more, that's more what it is. Brilliant. <laughs> if Matt da- if Matt Damon said he wanted to go on to promote a film, we'd probably just have him on, wouldn't we? Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, if, if Ryan Reynolds wanted to come on, I think we'd let him on. Yeah. Rob, maybe. Rob, maybe. Yeah, it's TV, though, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um. <laughs> Costner would be a good fit. Don't Costner. like him. Love oh, yeah, Steph. I'd, I'd, uh, no, but I'd, I'd, I'd have to get into about Ghost Baseball. I think it'd be awful. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think many people... Will have interviewed Alan Carson. Partridge just slagged that out in a recent thing. Of <laughs> does, does he? Oh, Christ. Steffi Levin, this. Well, either that or I'm too akin to Partridge. <laughs> yeah. Depends on how you look at that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think many Hollywood stars would have been interviewed to crit- critique their performances and go, that's a shit film, mate. That's a shit yeah, film, Yeah, very British, that's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Prince of Thieves, good. Good film. Other bits, shit. I don't don't think that's the way to interview a man. So our guests for this week are both from QI. They are both from the No Such Thing as a Fish podcast, which is a phenomenon. It is. And they have written a very, very, very good sports book. So James and Anna, two of the QI elves, are on with us. Everything to play for the QI book of sports is their book. If you are QI fans and no such thing as a fish fans, and this is your first time jumping in on us, hello. Well, how, how would you best describe what we do, Ellis? We try and come up with body shapes for Mike to aspire to. <laughs> We've been doing it every week yeah. since March 2020. Yeah, yeah. We haven't nailed it yet. No, no, no. How, how would you describe what we do, Mike? I'd say it is, it's three great friends who like to uh, explore each other's weaknesses <laughs> on, a, on a public forum. <laughs> yes, I think that's fair. Yeah. So so yeah. welcome to our loosely sports-based, loosely comedy-based podcast. Yeah. It's just a loose podcast. It's a very loose podcast. Hopefully, you will enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, Try one of our best ofs. Search in our little timeline where you've listened to this one. Yeah. Try one of the best ofs. And if it's the kind of thing that you like, then welcome aboard. Put a little link in the bio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a nice idea. That's a very nice idea. Yeah. The yeah. links to all of the clips that we talk about that are sports related that James and Anna have chosen for us will be in the bio as well. So if you want to watch some of them, because some of them are quite visual and quite fun, and it's worth doing anyway, have a little click on those. But it's nice to have you on board. It was wonderful to record this. So this is part one of this week's episode. have massive issues with my Mac. It won't let me update. So I can't use Riverside on the Mac. So I'm on the MacBook now. And the MacBook's being a pain in my bum end, if I'm being honest. Okay. So now, yeah, I'm not on what I'm, I'm normally on. That's why you see me slightly different from usual. But I'm so chill. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I've had a good four hours sleep and I'm ready for action. This is good. This is good. It's all right, guys. If worse comes to worse, you can just put out my audio. 
It'll just be me. <laughs> I'll be talking to myself for 90 minutes. It'll be perfect. Little right. The things you find interesting. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. What, what, yeah. What did I like? Yeah. That'd be great. I've got a very old man's palm. You've got old hands. That, that is old. Well, I can't see her on a body. Do you mean a tree or your hand? My hand. Oh, look okay. like one of those uh, Inca women that f- gets found on the side of a mountain 500 years after they died. Oh, dear. So, so for context, for people who've wandered into this shambling bullshit, <laughs> uh, Mike's gone through two computers already this morning. Yeah. With no joy. Yeah. James definitely has COVID. Oh, James. Sorry. It's all right. Ellis is Izzy for some reason on his computer. Yeah. And Anna has turned her phone sideways. Anna's horizontal. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Hi. Hi. It's all good. It's all good. good. This is all fine. So I think this is one of the more shambolic recordings. It says a lot. <laughs> yeah. It does say a lot. It's yeah. a bold statement. There. It's a very low bar. Well, I've done this podcast for 11 points as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. There was one episode where he was just drunk. Even the truly shambolic performers and artists have a line, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Usually. And I think we're approaching our line. I think so. They're approaching it, but we're not even past it. No? We're not past it. There's a Rubicon that we're, we're not there yet. Yeah. Okay. What what would be too shambolic to put out? Well, just none of us on. I think if two of us would get away with it, one of us missed it completely. Okay. Would you have been all right yes. if your computer had never come on and we just cracked on without you? How would you have felt? Brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, that's what I've been aiming for for three and a half years. <laughs> You're actually great at tech. <laughs> so I keep, I like, if I keep my third of the money and, and do none of the work, that would be absolutely brilliant as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> What an interesting concept. If you ever want to buy me out, lads, that is fine. That's worth a go, isn't it? I'll just I'll let you dial in now and again. Who could we replace you with? Irreplaceable, mate. I mean, it's like, you know. What? Well, it's like when Lennon died, it's pointless getting the Beatles back together. We should go the complete opposite, I think. What yeah. do you mean? I guess sort of Jacob Rees Mogg or something. Or, uh... That's not. <laughs> the anti bubs. What's the exact yeah. opposite? <laughs> <laughs> I think background wise, upbringing. Yeah. Some political views. Yeah, and it would bring in a new listenership as well. Yeah. But Jacob no. Rees Mogg's audience. Yeah, I don't know who they are. Moggites. The Moggites. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know what to replace myself with. I don't know. There's someone witty, funny. How do you uh, guys record handsome. yours? Well, we actually had that same situation for the last nine months because Anna's been on maternity leave, so we've had to replace her every yeah. single week. Yeah. <laughs> and really. They're replaceable, Anna. I know. Yeah, that's what absolutely. everyone said. It's been a tough gig. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen? And then were you jealous when someone was good as a guest? I didn't listen. I thought, thank yes. God I've got an eight month break from this shit. And um, <laughs> I, I switched off from it. I actually, in a moment of desperation last week, I tuned into one episode and I did think, oh, this is quite good, actually. It was David Mitchell, so it was always going to be, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you, when you're, when you see someone who's on the bench for a sports team and they say to the media, obviously they want the team to do well. That's not true. I've been on a bench. No. I've wanted my team to lose and my person play my position to play horribly. And retired players admit that. Yeah. They will say, yeah, that was bollocks. That was a lie. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. <laughs> I used to say that to the press because I knew I had to, but it was that was a lie. I want no. the bloke playing flanker to have a bad injury and, and embarrass himself and the team to lose horribly. Yeah, I want him to soil himself <laughs> on the pitch. I want, yeah. Break his arm and soil himself. I want to be doubly incontinent and make an absolute fool of himself on national TV <laughs> and then to lose. <laughs> and then there to be some sort of wailing and gnashing of teeth and mm. then some sort of public display of affection for me 
a campaign, which I'd like to front. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bring back pubs. Yeah. Anonymously. <laughs> because occasionally you'll get yeah. a sports person and they'll be very honest in an interview. Yeah. And then the pundits and the fans will say, oh, this kind of honesty is so refreshing. It's so different. It makes yeah. such a lovely change. But no one's ever said really? that, have they? No. No one's ever said, I got dropped, so I hoped we'd lose the Champions League final. That's, that's, yeah. that's the dream. So Anna was secretly hoping that it was a bit of a car crash. Yeah. Yeah, and it was from everything I've heard. <laughs> Everyone switched off. Ad revenue went down. Listeners disappeared. No one yeah. turned up to the live show. Do you know what? I've got a bit of a quandary today. I'm known amongst my friends and colleagues as uh, the king of uh, trivia and the king of useless information and storing facts that no one should have any right to restore. I don't think that's what bullshit bubs means. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we normally find out on this podcast, Lying I am correct. <laughs> Lying you, we usually find out later that I'm correct and you two have, have, have incorrectly assumed that I was wrong. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I get all of my facts for the last sort of 10 years plus from QI. Oh. oh. Well, I'm oh. sorry to say. We oh. actually make all that stuff it's- up. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're in Team Steph and Ellis. That's all right. Is there ever a temptation, though? Just to chuck one out of this bollocks. Temptation, maybe, but it's more than our job's worth, I think. The the most I ever got is I bet my friends I could get Stephen Fry to say, put a dunk on it. And I put that into one of the scripts. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, which he did say in the end. Oh, that's very good. My friend Pete had a bet with his friend during his A-levels that he could write the word fingered on every page of his answers. <laughs> And, yeah. he, and he did what? it, and then got all of the plaudits and all of the credit, and then realised once the paper had been submitted, I could have just lied. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one was ever gonna. No one was ever gonna check. Did he integrate the word "fingered" into the narrative of what was otherwise there, or did he just write it in the corner? He integrated. He would say things like, "And so and so fingered the theory that uh, the minor strike." <laughs> fingered his guitar. Fingered his cat. And was it? I mean, was it maths? How difficult? Are, are it was, um, it? Yeah, I think a mathematician. Yeah. <laughs> it was history or English. Yeah, that makes more sense. Mm. <laughs> it's the fact that he did went to the trouble of doing awful it. awful lot of when of, he could have lied. Awful <laughs> lot of woodwind so instruments in his in his essays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's all I can do when I stay at a hotel. So we stayed at a nice hotel on uh, Saturday night and Sunday night. When they leave that little pad on the desk with the paper and the free pen, I would say nine oh. times out of ten I draw a cock and balls on there. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Where though? On not a front page. On the pad. Just on yeah, the pad. No, but a few. Pa- oh, no, just on the top. Eight top pages in. Whoever's cleaning the room is <laughs> oh, not. That's gonna, better. Yeah. That is better. Yeah. They're not going to yeah. go for a new one then, are they? But if you do a few that pages down, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what, Mike? You would do quite well on QI because we have little pads on the desks that the panel are allowed to write on, but they never do, apart from they just draw cock and balls. Like, we have, like, well, we should have, we don't, but we should have, like, do you remember, what was that kid's show where they would show all of their pictures that the kids... Oh, Tony Hart. Yeah, yeah. We could have that of all the comedians in the UK of their cocks and balls that they've drawn over the years. We could oh, have... Oh, no, them. that would be a Christmas special, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We're wasting time for... <laughs> wasting time with facts. I'm a genuine fan. I... I still watch nothing but it at one point. My wife and I went to go and see John Lloyd up in Hey Oh My Book Festival. God, it's got to be 10, 15 years ago, and he was talking about QI. Mm-hmm. It had just sort of started then. 
Yeah, so I've been a big fan of it for a long time. Yeah, that's extreme. That's too much. Nothing but it. That was all you watched. Because after a while, you can just watch Dave and you, you can just can. watch Q. You can pretty video. much yeah. do it back to back. If you're doing Dave right. <laughs> yeah. If you're winning like Dave. Some people do Dave wrong. They're just watching American Pickers. If you get up early enough in the morning, you can watch you can watch Minders and the Professionals being subtitled, being signed yeah. for the mm-hmm. death. Yeah. And then you can watch QI later on in the day several times. It's a great way <laughs> to spend your life. It is. So that's what I do every day. So it's all good. <laughs> Was that pre or post the Judge Judy years? Yeah, Judge. Do you know what? I went. It went down on estimations, Judge Judy, when I read the small print after about five or six years into it. And it said that all monies are actually paid by the production company. So when someone loses like $5,000, they don't pay that $5,000. So I, I wonder why people would, would, in the first place, would sign up to do that and make themselves look like an idiot. Hmm. And it's because if you do lose, the production company pays your... It's legally done and dusted, and the production company pay your fine. There's no jeopardy there, is there? Yeah, it removes the jeopardy from the show, though, doesn't it? You know, if I, I want to see someone in penury if they've lost on that show. <laughs> Quite a decade. You've got quite a pre twentieth century attitude to punishment. <laughs> Just Old Testament more than New Testament. That's all. Yeah. Did you know that? It's like when I found out that married at first sight, they don't actually get married. What? What's what what really? the point what in that? I'm pretty sure that's true. I'm pretty sure. What legally? Someone on the production told me that. Although, if that's a lie, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't. So, where's the jeopardy there? I know. I hate all What's the stuff. point of that then? Rubbish. It's like when you watch that SAS one with and, and Thingy Bob with the black beard. Oh, don't slag that off. I love it. Yeah, but I want to see someone actually die on the show. <laughs> <I do>. What? <laughs> die. I want to. I want to see him in. Yeah, I want to see him in Sennybridge. Yeah. You know, live fire. Yeah. Jason Fox just takes them out. <laughs> and I want to see someone who reads the weather on Channel Four just get shot dead by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watch it every all the time then. That's, wow. Not because I enjoy watching people suffer, but I, I just I don't like things being bullshit, that's all. Yeah. So have some jeopardy there. Yeah. You know. Matt Hancock at the moment, though, being bullied right. for his time as hell. Some of the best telly ever. Is very funny on SAS. Oh, Celebrity SAS yeah. days wins. I'm a big fan of it. Is he crying? Because I watched that. that he can't. He cries a lot. Oh, well, I'll watch it then. He can't cry. He's proved that already. <laughs> that's a proven television feast. <laughs> So if you're really into, like Mike is, obviously, QI. You're massive. Yeah. You could generate. I've got the book here somewhere. I've got a couple of books. Oh, there we go. So wow. you could just experience your content. You could listen to No Such Things as Fish, watch QI, and read your books. There you go. And you'd, be, mm. you'd be like a real, you know, like a mad Arsenal fan who just watches Arsenal TV <laughs> and <laughs> listens to their podcast. <laughs> Fucking great. Well, people just think I'm full of useless information, but it's not useless. It's interesting to me. Mm. It's uh, it's conversationally useful. You know, wins your friends or loses so. your friends, really, depending on uh, yeah. your friends. Well, the sort of friends you lose, the friends you don't want in the first place. <laughs> that's, that's what we tell ourselves <laughs> as we go yeah. to the pub alone. It, it sorts the wheat from the chaff. Is what it does. Do you know the um? The first ever football match shown on television was Arsenal versus Arsenal Reserves. So What? Yes. You're an Arsenal fan. Perfect. That's a classic telly for them. Why why was that? I can't remember. I just remember it quite often I just remember these things yeah. as facts. Yeah. And then, you know, if we're doing an interview for a book or something, then mm. you have to quickly remember everything that you've said. Otherwise, if anyone asks any extra mm. questions about any of these facts, we're absolutely screwed. I went on six music. Right last week to discuss the release of Now and Then, the mm. uh, new Beatles single that's got all four of them on. 
So I went on Craig Charles' show mm. because he had first play of it. So the, it was being released worldwide right. at 2 p.m. on the 2nd of November. What, and you, again, no offence, <laughs> but you were the first guest off the back of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in fairness to Craig, he had world-renowned Beatles expert Mark Lewison on later. I'd be up there with the, with the yeah. world's Beatles experts now. I'd want McCartney. I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, well, he, they couldn't get McCartney. Okay. So he, he had Mark Lewison on, who obviously was going to offer lots of context, etc., and talk about the history of the making of the record. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because they used Harrison's guitar from the abandoned mm. sessions in 1995, etc. So Lew- Lewison was going to offer that. Okay. So I think what Craig wanted was emotion from a fan. So we listened to... I, list, I was in the car on the way to work, so I listened to the song on my phone. And then I was uh, interviewed by Craig and we talked about it for about five or six minutes. And he talked about what they meant to the people of Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And he said, you're a big fan, aren't you, Al? You're a big, uh, super fan of the Beatles. And I said, uh, well, I do love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went, what's your favourite Beatles fact? <laughs> but he hadn't told me he was going to say this. Good. And the producer and the researcher told me that he was going to say this. And he completely caught me off the, on the hop. So what's your favourite Beatles fact? What is it, Al? And I went... They bear in mind, this is like 11 minutes past two on a sort of Wednesday. Mm. I went, the first time that they took LSD, they were given it by their dentist. And he went, that's great. That's thank <laughs> you. Bye, thank bye you, now. Alice. Bye. Okay, we're gonna, bye. <laughs> bye now. Wow. That's a great fact. They were. Well done. They were spiked by their dentist. Harrison and Lennon went for a meal. They went for dinner at their dentist. Who, who goes for a meal with their dentist? I'd go for a meal with my dentist. Their dentist invited them round for dinner. Fuck that. And at the time, I think LSD was still legal. You definitely going to kill And it was a you. sort of, it was like a sort of hip thing that the London middle classes had just discovered. So they were eating at the dentist. It was Harrison and Patty Boyd and Lennon and Cynthia. Mm. And then afterwards, he put it in their coffee and didn't tell them. Definitely. And they started tripping. They didn't realise what was happening. And then Lennon drove them into central London. Was it Dr. Hoffman who, who sort of inv- who created yeah. uh, LSD for the first time? Yeah, Albert Hoffman in the yeah. 40s. I read a story about him recycling home and suddenly all the all the uh, the lampposts were bending over and he thought, oh, <laughs> something's going on. You cheat yourself. Yeah. yeah. Horrendous. And then I wrote a great poem, which I'm not going to read today, <laughs> about, uh, yeah. About LSD? Based on, based, based on Dr. Hoffman, yeah. I'll just leave that hanging there. Maybe I'll do it next show. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. What a sort of an acid, an acid. Well, because they gave it a spiders then to see the, the way the different spiders would spin webs on different drugs, so caffeine and LSD and, yeah, yeah. and marijuana and stuff. Yeah. And so the, the LSD webs were just spectacular. Do you know the guy who bought John Lennon's tooth? He's called Yazuk, and we talked about it on the podcast, and I emailed him to ask him if it was true, and he emailed me back because he was so keen that everyone in the world knew that he bought John Lennon's tooth. Uh, and the idea is that he wants to somehow get the DNA out of it and then recreate John Lennon. Recreate? <laughs> yeah. Grow your own John Lennon? <laughs> wow. He paid like $30,000 for it or something like that. For a tooth, yeah. For a tooth? Well, for the reincarnation of John Lennon. Sure. That's bargain. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah good point. Yeah, Actual price to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Monetize that. Yeah, someone bought one of Elvis's warts that got removed. They've got you, you can buy his hair relatively cheaply from his hairdresser to sell bits of his hair. <laughs> relatively cheaply. <laughs> we, we, we yeah, but it's not like millions of dollars. You, you, you can buy a lock of Elvis's hair for, I think, for talking like low thousands of dollars. Well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any like weird sort of like that kind of thing, like celebrity memorabilia or anything? Like, because our colleague Dan Schreiber loves that stuff and he loves like his signed books and. 
and all that kind of thing. Okay. Well, I got loads of that sort of stuff. But at the gig Sunday, we went to the, the turf afterwards in Wrexham, and one of our listeners gave me the beer mat signed by Burt Reynolds. The Burt Reynolds gave him uh, at the Dorchester like 10 years ago. Sounds like bullshit. Because he knows I love Burt Reynolds. I said, oh my God, that's amazing. Thank you so much. A beer mat signed by Burt Reynolds. Yeah, it says from your good friend Burt Reynolds. I thought that's going straight in the bar. There. What beer mat is it? What beer? It's nice. Like, well, it's, it's like a Dorchester silver. Okay. There's no brand on it. Yeah. It's just a silver square beer mat with Burt Reynolds and stuff on it. And then a, another listener, I mentioned my favourite American football player was a fellow called Dick Butker, yeah. so you may know James, who played for the, the Bears back in the 60s and the 70s. And he sent me a photograph of this football signed by um, Dick Butkus. I said, oh, that's so, I'm so jealous. That's brilliant. Where'd you get that? And he said, well, my wife was playing poker in Vegas. And won it in a, in, a, in a poker thing. I said, oh, that's, that's fantastic. He said, well, listen, I don't even like American football that much. Do you want wow. it? So he sent it to me, this this signed American football in a case signed by that's Dick Buckley. Awesome. I've got one signed by Colin Kaepernick, an NFL ball. But I got oh, it nice. when he was playing for the 49ers, I think he played for. Because uh, I just re- he yeah. came to London and he mm-hmm. played and I just thought he was great. And my wife heard me talking about him and bought me a signed ball. And then he became the world's greatest human rights activist. That's amazing. Uh, we asked you guys to come up with some clips for us because you know, we can't even turn computers on, so the chances of us being able to nail this is remote. So, which one of yours should we go... Oh, I think Javelin Thrower we should go for first. Oh, yeah. Talk us through what this is then. Felix Erauskin, a los 49 años de edad y a los 30 de actividad deportiva, lanza la jabalina... So is this uh, the clip of Felix, Felix Erauskin? Um, I believe, who throws the javelin and you'll spot if you do watch the clip that he doesn't throw it like you would throw a javelin. He sort of spins round and round and round and then hurls it. And he actually, it was in 1956, I think, and he got the national Spanish and he got national record for the distance thrown and no one had thought to do that before. I think that's right. No one just no one had thought of it. It wasn't cheating. It wasn't disallowed mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, he came, he was came from Basque country and was and it was like big mining country and they had a tradition of throwing something similar to a javelin one of their mining tools palanca something like that but they would throw it spinning round and round and then hurling it mm. so Eraskin just thought hey i'm gonna try this see what happens and he went for it and he got a record and everyone went well that looks incredibly dangerous and <laughs> yes. it was banned shortly afterwards <laughs> Well, it's the only non-cage thrown event, wasn't it? So you got like you got a cage on the hammer, a cage on the shot, a cage on the discus. Yeah, um, there's, there was no cage on the block throwing yeah. a javelin on a 360. Yeah. Feels like an error. The thing was that Arasquin had been doing this since he was a kid because it was his local the way of throwing things. Uh, but when everyone saw how good it was, everyone thought, "Well, we're going to do that as well." And so people who hadn't been doing it since they were children started to try and do it, and. Basically, oh, dear, dear, dear. one time there was a pole vaulter who was almost impaled by a by a javelin, and after that happened, they decided they they immediately banned it straight away. It looks very difficult to control, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. what you do is you put soap on your hands, uh, and well, you can see him soaping it in the um, yeah yeah in the video. In the clip. That feels you- like mistake number one for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that feels like he's taking the piss. Actually, <laughs> he's actually taking the piss. Then you put the banana skins down on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Put a lot of plastic sheeting down to catch all the blood. (laughs) I want to see the pole vaulter versus javelin contest with someone hurling a javelin at a pole vaulter who's desperately pole vaulting away to escape. (laughs) I I think that would be good telly. Incentivised pole vault. Yeah, exactly. 
I only learned yesterday or two days ago, Anna, when you and I did a gig in Ely, wherever it was, that you weren't allowed to do javelin at school because you once chased someone around the field. It was bad. Threatening to impale them. They gave us a big safety talk at the start. It was the first time we'd ever tried javelin. I've done that safety talk in my PE teacher days. Oh, you're a PE teacher. Right, mm-hmm. you would have done this. You probably would have been shouting. Well, I can imagine getting really cross with me. Obviously, I went onto the field and I started chasing my friend around with a javelin, and that was it. Whenever anyone else did javelin, I was not allowed to do it. Yeah, a, t- a, 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 ter- a javelin lesson with your PE teacher is utterly terrifying. It must be. Yeah. You cannot wait to get the javelins back in the storeroom and sit down because it is you. You're, wait, you're waiting for a kid to be killed for an hour. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't do it in a lot of schools now for that reason, I think. Yeah. I remember an episode of 999 where a boy got impaled in the throat doing oh. like a year nine PE lesson. Well, the bloke the year before me, and my, when I did my teacher training down at St. Luke's in Exeter, the fellow the year before me had been killed on his first year teaching in a javelin lesson. No. And, and he landed on the other end of the javelin, not the pointy end. Whoa. Oh, that's still pointy, though. He jogged out to collect a javelin, no. slipped, ah. and the other end went through. Oh, ah. oh my God. Ah. It's not worth it. No. Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. Stick yeah. to long jump. <laughs> Absolutely. You've got to do track and field. Yeah. You've got to do athletics. Javelin is one of the few uh, athletic events where the world record has got less than it that because they yeah. had to change the flight of the javelin because it was getting oh. hit the track at the far end. Yeah. They had to change the shape and, and I think the, I think they changed the centre of gravity on it as well. They did, okay. yeah. I think they moved about because it was getting a bit dangerous. It was starting to threaten people actually watching, wasn't it? People doing the steeplechase shit in themselves. You were hitting the outside of the far end of the track and into the, yeah, into the into the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> you already signed like a disclaimer. Well, it's not you don't sign it, but on the back of like an ice hockey ticket, there'll be a disclaimer that if you get hit by a puck, you can't sue the club. Okay. Imagine if you start throwing javelins yeah. into the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> if you're impaled on a javelin. <laughs> Well, there's a few of those things that they, they banned. So we we talked about the, the forward somersault long jump on the pod as well. Yeah, that's one of my favourite ones. That was, yeah. that was, was a short-lived. New Zealander, wasn't there, who decided to reinvent. when I think it was around the time Fosbury does the backflip yeah. in the high jumps. Sometimes they'll incorporate. like So in when I think it was an Australian woman beat the world breaststroke record by miles. Mm. The, only, the breaststroke rules were that it was a two-handed stroke. That's it. Two, she started doing a butterfly stroke. Yeah. She invented the butterfly stroke. That was called the Australian breaststroke. For really? It, it smashed that. the record. And then rather than get rid of it and ban it, they brought in the extra category. Oh, wow. Really I thought I came up with a new way of doing Olympic walking okay. a few years ago. <laughs> okay. Which I mentioned on the podcast. Is it called running? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jogging. It's really quick. <laughs> Both feet off the floor. <laughs> well, I mentioned it on the podcast, and then an Olympic walker got in touch with us and said, okay, I'm interested. What's your technique? Oh, cool. Oh, nice. And I think he got a bronze in the last Olympics, but not using my technique, because my technique is – you kind of crouch right down because your feet have got to stay on the ground at all time, right? Yes. One foot. So you crouch yeah. crouch right down. and Squatting? Then, squatting, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah. you push out your right foot as far as it'll go, twisting like your- Like a Cossack. Like a Cossack, yeah. <laughs> you fold your arms. <laughs> big hats on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rasputin my bony. <laughs> all of your friends going, oi, oi, oi. Hey, 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 go on. Go Not on. coincidentally, just after I married a Russian that I came up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You twist your hip and then you pull the rest of your body to the other foot and then twist your hip. And so you're kind of doing this long stride, oh, sort yeah. of crouching thing. God, be ruinously tired. Well, that's what happens. Oh, yeah. I reckon over about five meters, I reckon it's quicker. 
Okay. <laughs> they're, like, they're like 50K, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're yeah, quite long. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. How did you come up with this, just out of interest, James? I was walking back from the pub one day. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all, so this is quick. We had, it had been on the Olympics and it had been on, on the screen. <laughs> and we all thought we'd try different techniques to see if we could do better. Cause I love shit like that. That's amazing. They walk. They cheat all the time. In so walking. much quicker than normal people run. But they cheat in every single race and never gets caught. It's <laughs> it's technically not cheating, like because the rules say that it's so you get disqualified only if someone can notice you doing it. Yes, ah, people do no, but people do notice it all the time, and they take photographs of it, and they still. But you get cards, don't you? you yeah, get like exactly. uh, there's like a yellow red card system, isn't there? I think. Yeah. Yeah. But that's in the rules. Is it? It's only if people notice. Yeah, you're allowed that to not, You're allowed to run, but. Yeah. Only if no one notices. I mean, the nighttime world record is much faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I think more sports should have that. You used to also be allowed to run to relieve cramp. I think this is quite a long time ago. But when, really? when speed walking was a huge deal in Victorian times, they loved it, the rule they? was you could run as necessary to relieve cramp. So you can't just say you've got a bad cramp the whole race. Print it. One of my son's mates in school is a walker. That's his, that's his event. Interesting. I find that such a strange event. It is, this, yes. It's that waddle. This is called a pedestrian, was it called pedestrianism? Yes. Originally, yeah. Pedestrianism, the pedestrians. It was quite It was quite a female sport in the 19th century, wasn't it? And made it probably a bit uncouth for ladies to be sprinting. Um, but it became very popular. We mentioned it in the book. People would, it was a real fashion. Well, they weren't allowed to run. We did the... Um... We did the Boston Marathon. They they weren't allowed to run more than fifteen hundred meters, was it? Yeah, it was. As you can see, their wombs fell out. Them, their wombs would yeah. drop out. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God we fixed that problem with women's anatomy, so now we can do it. <laughs> That's the nineteenth century. It was like the nineteen sixties. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> you kind of um, think they must have done one race once, and then they had to clean up all the wombs afterwards. <laughs> we're never going to do this again. <laughs> Womb gate. <laughs> yeah. You say it won't happen, but. <laughs> <laughs> What's your, what other clips should we go for? Let's have a look through the list. There's some good clips on there. Yeah, they're all amazing, these. Are. I think the unofficial Women's World Cup in 1971, mm. because I've read about this a little bit in a book that my daughter's got. The whole World Cup yeah, blows yeah. my mind. It was massive. It's incredible, yeah. Yeah, we love it because, and this clip, when you watch it, it just looks like a huge international World Cup match. You wouldn't know anything was any different than any other game no. that was happening there. It looks like the 1970 yeah. Men's World Cup yeah. final. Yeah. Yeah. Same venues. Exactly. Between Brazil and Italy. Same venues, same full venues as well. You know, there were yeah. hundreds mm. of thousands of people there. And then the camera just pans across and the uh, goalposts are painted pink and white. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, they had... <laughs> What else do they have? They had like um, makeup. I think the stalls officials wore the, pink, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, all the officials wore pink and stuff. And the amazing thing was about it really is just how huge it was. And it was unofficial, so we weren't really supposed to. None of the FAs, certainly the European ones, were really supposed to take part. And so mm. the English team was made up of people who basically got banned straight afterwards uh, but yeah. some of the players like one of our players was 13 years old yes yeah this, this fascinated my daughter it's just yeah. insane imagine being 13 years old and playing in front of a hundred thousand people Whoa. but when the you, fw the football association of wales didn't officially recognize 
or sanction a women's team until 1993. So it was Laura McAllister mm. and three other women, I think, approached the FAW, so spoke to Alan Evans, who was secretary at the time, and persuaded him. And he was like, yeah, fine, that sounds like a good idea. And, but there'd been an unofficial team in the 70s and 80s, so none of those women got caps. Yeah. Mm. And Didn't what I think's incredible is that, you know, he was banned by the English FA and the other FAs in the UK followed suit for 50 years from the 20s to about 1970 or 71. But then, and, and part it was partly to do with, you know, they thought... People the being massive sexists. Cope with, yeah. yeah, but they thought the women's Lola. bodies can cope with football and all. But you, you would think that financially they would see the interest in this. I think, well, we need to get behind this because it's a money it's a money spinner. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. the thing I find so important. They didn't see these huge crowds and think, well, it makes sense from a commercial point of view. What do you think how money-driven FIFA is? Exactly, yeah. yeah. To see this in 71 with, you know, 100,000, 80,000 people in the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, been, it's obviously been filmed by somebody, looks like in the crowd. Like there's this, It's not even like a movie tone sort of footage. Yeah. I think it's still the record for, and I don't think people mentioned it, but it was 110,000 mm. people who watched the final, which yes. was Denmark, yeah. uh, Denmark won. But I think that's still a record for women's football attendance. It but it's bizarre because it wasn't known of in England. The girls were, they were celebrities in Mexico. They were chased yeah, around yeah. everywhere. They were on TV all the time. And they went home and their teachers just said, well, what have you been all week? Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, Im- imagine going to play in the World Cup when you're 30. So Leah Caleb goes out there to play in the World Cup and her head teacher doesn't even mention it in assembly. <laughs> she yeah, should yeah, get yeah. called up on Same. stage where somebody, yeah. some lad who's won a taekwondo yeah. competition where he's yeah, won his yeah. yellow Got belt. his great full clarinet. Yeah, yeah. they're up on stage, <laughs> yeah. loving it. Although, although um, when the Welsh team had got to, the, the men's team had got to the 58 World Cup quarterfinal and lost to Brazil, mm. when they came, when I think it was Mel Charles, John Charles' brother, came back to Swansea and... The guard at Swansea train station said, "You've uh, you've got a nice tan, Mel. Been on your holidays, have you?" He was like, "No, we've represented <laughs> really? Wales in a World Cup." He's like, "Oh, right," because it hadn't it hadn't really been a big press story in 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 the UK. Oh, Laura wow. McAllister, who was a big part of getting the FAW to recognise the Welsh team, which is now doing really well, she's mm. now vice president of UEFA. Really? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an incredible story. Vice President yeah. of UEFA. And Wales being Wales, her kids went to the same primary school as my kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think England have gone back and given all these players proper caps. And so they should. And I think Scotland have as well. I think they've gone back through their record books and given them sort of historical caps. If they haven't, I hope they do, and I think they probably will. Mm. They might have done. I don't but, know if they have. Or no, not, I don't think they have um, because you talk to some some of the women, he was involved in the Welsh women who were involved in the seventies and eighties team. They were buying their own kits, and you know they're being coached by friends or like it was a completely unofficial thing. Yeah, it was really interesting the the bands that came. Like you say, there were various reasons. I think one of them was that they want the men had come back from the war in the nineteen twenties, and they wanted to yeah. protect the men's game. So that's why they stopped the women from playing. Wasn't there a law about you could, you were allowed to get your old job back? So, yes. So the, the women who had jobs basically they had to give their jobs up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, from the front. yeah for sure. And the football teams have been formed from people working in certain factories, haven't they? Like the huge women's football team, Dick Kerr Ladies, which again, yeah. massive mm. crowds, was based in a factory, and so I guess yeah. they dispersed. And yeah, yeah. And then they um, said, like, obviously your your physical body will will not be able to to play football, so we need to ban it. Um, but in different countries, they had different rules. And in West Germany, they said that it would affect the women's soul. 
The soul. Oh, yeah, playing football oh will affect God. your soul. Wow. Amazing. Gets quite sore on the soles of the feet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what they meant. You're on the whole time. Yeah, I think it was just a misinterpretation. Just the S off the end. Yeah. Like weird games being banned. So when rugby league was being played in France, which was bigger than Union uh, in the in the 30s, because of Vichy France and everything else, Hitler's, Hitler sort of and the, and the, and the fascists saw uh, rugby league as being dangerously socialist because it was, you know, mm. broken time payments and paid players. So they confiscated all the rugby league in France's. Basically, all their assets were stripped of their grounds, the money. Really? Given to French rugby union clubs, yeah. Oh, they, they never got that money back. They, they never, that was never repaid. I think the same happened in the Balkans as well, which is why, is it only Croatia plays and none of the others do? Or one of the, there's I only one of that. the countries that plays rugby league and none of the others do. I didn't know that at all. Why, why, so why was rugby league viewed as being left wing? Because rugby union was unpaid and amateur uh, okay. game. You know, that sort of Corinthian spirit. So basically you could be rich and a gentleman, yeah. Oh, that's mad. Yeah. And rugby league was seen as a socialist game. Yeah, because basically they um the when rugby split due to a big sort of meeting that they had in Huddersfield in the early twentieth yeah. century because the um, northerners wanted to be paid because they couldn't afford to play just for the fun of it, yeah, and the southerners just wanted it for to be their game. And so, and I find it really interesting the way the two codes kind of evolved a little bit, like because the rugby league had to make money. And so they made it a different game, which was more yeah. kind of easier to follow. I would say a mm. little bit the the rules in rugby union. If you're not if you don't follow it, are quite oblique. They're quite difficult to understand. Uh, but rugby league kind of evolved into this easier to understand game. It's really telling. That's really interesting about the French um, France that you just said. But what I found and um, illustrates what I found researching this book so much, which is that when all these rules are made, I think it's important to remember. Most people didn't agree with it. Well, what I found when you're looking at um, women playing football in the early 20th century or like women being banned from running marathons or there's lots of, you know, like na early Native American um, American football teams, it's always mm. the powers that be that say this is really dangerous or this is really bad or this is going to corrupt society. But if you look at all the local newspaper reports, ordinary people are going, this is great fun. We love these yeah, yeah. guys. Or these women should definitely be doing this. So I think it's really easy to look back and think, God, people are awful. But it's never that. I think it's just a story. Dicks of have always been dicks. It's always just the people in powerful positions who are just scared mm. of something challenging their authority. Yeah. I don't know what we do about it. We'll go socialist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> Start the revolution, come on. Yeah. I'd love a QI-led revolution. It'd be brilliant. It'd be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. It'd be the opposite of like the Khmer Rouge. It would be, in, you know, people people with glasses would rule the country. <laughs> <laughs> What do we want? Interesting facts. We need more them. No. Well, what is now, really, when you think about it? <laughs> so that is the end of part one of our lovely little chat with James and Anna. Their book that I've referred to a couple of times in there is called Everything to Play for, the QI book of sports. If you are stocking filling, and why wouldn't you be? Think ahead. Just order it now. Go on Jeffrey Amazon's thing. Go on Waterstones. There, you know, there are a million different ways of getting hold of a book. There's a link in the episode description if you just want to go through that. Get yourself a copy of that if there is somebody in your family who likes the sports. And it is, it's what Mike calls a good toilet book. And that's not meant to be dismissive. It is really good for dipping in and out of. There's loads of fun facts in there. If you like their other stuff, 
you will like this. If you like sports and you want to wow your friends over the Christmas period with some interesting facts about sports and obscure stuff as well. There's stuff in there. I was a sports journalist for 20 years and there was loads of stuff in there that I could know, which either reflects really badly on me or reflects really well on the book. Thank you.